0: Hey there, I'm Stephanie Shaw. Welcome to the Hello Hot Flash podcast, where midlife women can learn from guest experts and authors who discuss menopause and all that comes with this new chapter in our lives. Hello Hot Flash, where we learn to control the change and not let the change control us. Hey, Hello Hot Flash fans, want to enter for a chance to win $500 in health and wellness prizes? Head over to HelloHotFlash.com giveaway for all the details. Hey, did you know that you could biohack your way through menopause? Well, you can. You can learn how to look better, feel better, have more energy, sleep better at night, and potentially get rid of a few of those gray hairs. Make sure you check out today's episode where our guest Zora Benamu gives us all of the juicy details. Here's to your health. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hello Hot Flash where we teach you how to control the midlife change. I'm excited to be here with our guest today, Zora Benamu. Zora, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Uh, a lot of people know me
1: as Zora the Explorer too. So oh. that's better than Benamu. <laughs> <You can always laughs> Google
0: that and I'll pop up. Zora the Explorer. I thought, I was thinking of, uh, is it Zora Neil Hurst? Oh yes. oh, yes. Yes. That's what I kept coming back to. So I love your name. That's beautiful. We have a grandbaby coming, but it's a boy. So can't steal that.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. You want to call him Zorro. That would be of yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. He might get
0: in <laughs> a lot of fights. Zora, you guys, is a gerontologist, biohacker, and nomad. She'll explain all of that to you. And she is on a mission to help women optimize their menopause journey. And I am so excited to have you here. I've been listening to your podcast, Hack My Age, and just great information out there. So I wanted to make sure that you came and spoke to our audience today. So again, welcome so much.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to share some biohacking, biohacking menopause. And I'll explain what that is too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you guys will have to go check out her photographs and you'll know that she actually knows how to biohack menopause. So let's start by you telling us about your journey.
1: Which journey? My journey as a gerontologist, a biohacker, into menopause. There's so many journeys. Oh, nomad, I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe we start a little bit with nomad, like how you guys are moving around, and then just pull everything in for us. Why, why ger- gerontologies, especially?
1: Yeah, I've wear so many hats. I feel like I've had many lives. I've uh, been an expat most of my life, meaning I born in the U.S. but lived in other countries. My mom is Ukrainian. My dad, you know, has just got Polish roots. It's just all over the place. So. I am a nomad. And now that meaning it's sort of beyond the expat. I just travel to a new country every three weeks or so. And I create content. And so this is the nomadic life. We've sold the car, sold the home, sold the things. It's just a very minimalist life. It's just a chapter, again, another experience in my life. And I fell into that. My husband, who's also got wings, you know, they say you have roots or you have wings. And I was born with wings. And um, not one is better than the other. They both have their advantages and disadvantages. But I just kind of born into that, into that nomadic. Uh, or expat life. And that's exposed me to a lot of cultures, a lot of languages, a lot of different people. And I'm fascinated how people are living around the world. And then I became fascinated how people are aging around the world. And that's sort of what led me into gerontology because gerontology is the study of aging and longevity. So we look at, it's not just looking at older adults. We, we do that and we, we find, we advocate for them. We try to get social policies to protect them and transport, housing and all these things, but we also look at the whole life course from birth to death to understand how people are aging, why they're getting certain diseases, how can we prevent these things? And that goes really well with my interest in biohacking, which is hacking your biology. It's just finding some exterior, mostly exterior forces to change your physiology inside, you know, biology, hacking your biology. They go really well hand in hand and actually they don't really know each other. So I'm so glad to, to merge them together and share with people how we can slow aging. We will age. It's just, we want to slow the pace of aging and live as many years free of disease and full of vitality, which is called our health span. We know our lifespan is the number of years you live. But as it is today, our health span is up until about age 50. And then we start taking medication for blood pressure and diabetes or arthritis. And then the last say 20, 30 years or are- pretty um, meager and full of doctor visits and medication. And we wanna extend the health span up until as long as we can and perhaps our 80s or 90s, 100 if you're shooting for that. And they just have a very short period of disease and just fall off the earth silently and and, uh, without
0: too much of a struggle instead of those 20, 30 years. One thing you said, I, I just made that note, aging around the world. So you get this firsthand opportunity to see how people age differently based on their culture and where they live. Talk to us a little bit about that. What are some differences you're seeing and who's getting it right?
1: Oh, wow. Who's getting it right? Most people would look at the blue zones, which are their are five zones and that are studied, discovered by Dan Buettner. And they're are areas where they have very high concentrations of people over the age of 100, centenarians. And so they're trying to look at what are they doing? What have they done? Look at their genetics, what their diet, their lifestyle. And so those places are studied a lot, but I still see, even though there are high concentrations of them there, I still I still think we can learn from other places where, okay, people don't live as long, but you will find older adults who are thriving or who are very, very sick. And I also go, well, why are they so sick in this country? What's happening? And a, and a good example would be Bhutan. I went there and it's very exotic and, and beautiful place. People are very, it's known for its happiness index instead of their GDP, You know their happiness index. And they are very happy, but the people don't live very long. So you go, well, what, what's going on? And, and actually it was the first country I saw where they don't have dessert. <laughs> it's like, sweets just don't exist. They are starting to have Western birthday cakes or, you know, this is not in their culture. And so I thought, oh, wow. But there's a very high rate of diabetes and I met with uh, the minister of statistics and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And he wasn't the minister of health, but I asked him, what do you think it is? And he said, it's the chili and they eat massive amounts of spicy hot chili. Chili. And I seem to disagree. I don't have seen any research studies showing that chili will kill you early. Uh, but I <laughs> did Yeah. So I was like, this is very strange. A country that doesn't have dessert <laughs> or sweet, what's happening? And what I did observe was that they have massive amounts of rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So their plate would be probably about 50 to Seventy percent rice, and then the rest would be some vegetables or some meat, and it was these massive amounts for breakfast and dinner. I said, I think it could be the rice, (laughs) because rice turns into glucose. It doesn't taste sweet, but the body doesn't know the difference between the sugar and rice. It just converts into glucose, and I found that fascinating. So we can learn from cultures that aren't actually aging to 100 or aging well. So what I did find out also fascinating as I was hiking through the mountains there, I noticed a plant, a purple plant and the purple flowers on it, it was growing it looked like like a wheat with purple things and I asked a a local so what is that? And it turned out to be quinoa. And quinoa is a gluten-free pseudo grain. And I said, well, what do you use it for? I haven't seen it in the market. And they're like, oh, it's just, I don't know, my grandma used to make alcohol from it or something. I was like, but wait, you could replace rice with this. <laughs> and it's growing in abundance and you order most of your rice from China. I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me. It is really, really interesting. I was surprised. Usually a a local culture would live off the land of what's growing, but I think they become a little addicted to the rice. (laughs) And hopefully one day they'll discover in their own backyard, they've got some really very interesting ancient grains.
0: Yeah. You don't know. And a lot of times things are right in your backyard and that's what we ignore. And that's why we're there. And that's what we should be living off. So that's very interesting. When you said that they're happy and they don't eat sugar, I'm like, uh Oh, so like, how, how do they get diabetes? But that's a, a perfect explanation because of eating the amount of rice. So yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. What, so what led you to menopause and biohacking? What's that combination look like? So, biohacking is a relatively new term that most people don't know about. So, don't feel bad
1: if this is the first time you've ever heard of that word, but it's been around for ages and decades and centuries. It's just that given a name to it because a lot of biohacking, which usually just refers to a biohacker, which is a person who wants to optimize their health. They look at health a little bit differently than just sort of a health enthusiast. They like to measure test, and assess. They look at data, they look at research studies, and then they do a self-experimentation on themselves, knowing that maybe it will go great, or maybe it will go totally wrong, but you're willing to experiment. And what a biohacker understands, particularly in the US, is that when you get your blood work done, for example, the doctor says, well, you know, all your markers are, are normal. You're in the normal range, but yet maybe you still feel like garbage, but okay, the numbers come out and we get a little disappointed because that means we're sick because blood work and the ranges that we're giving is based on the averages of the population. It's not an optimized, it's just what is the population. And we know that most Americans have some sort of disease or problem or is sick or is overweight or is obese or has diabetes or, you know, there's all these things. So we think, oh my gosh, we're on the track. We're normal. We're on the track to disease and accelerated aging. So we try to put optimal ranges when we get blood work or see a functional medicine doctor or do things a little bit differently but we do them a little bit like a little controlled study on ourselves because we it's called an n of 1 experiment so when you look at a research study you know, you want to find those where they have thousands of people they're testing on or millions but it doesn't really matter what the studies show if it doesn't have any effect on you what matters is you and how you react to a certain protocol. And that's what a biohacker does is just these end of one experiments. So that's I found that fascinating. I've always been interested in health and wellness. I'm from LA and it's like in your LA DNA or something. <laughs> you just Always fascinated by it. But yeah, that biohacking brings in a whole other element that is a bit more scientific, a little bit more controlled and a little bit gives you a little bit more information. A lot of people think biohackers are these people who wear these gadgets on their head to measure their brain waves or these rings to measure their heart rate. And they're just like these walking things and <laughs> with a bunch of technology glued to them. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yes, we do like gadgets because we like to gather data. But the foundation of biohacking is the most important. And it's very, it's kind of like what we already know. So look at it as like a pyramid. And the very foundation we want to have the most of is optimal sleep, good quality and quantity sleep, managing your stress. And you want to have good nutrition, whatever that means for you. And you want to have the proper amount of movement and you want to have the whole Social factor, community, purpose in life, all mindset, like all this stuff is really, really important. When that is strong, and there are people I've worked with who just like, I'm kind of doing all of that, and I'm still not feeling great. So that's when you go into the middle tier, which is some of the biohacks, because at the bottom of the tier, we may go, oh, meditation, and you know that'll manage the stress and the nutrition element, of course. We have different views on how what is appropriate exercise, but then we go into the middle tiers and go, okay, let's look at supplements. Let's look at peptides. Let's look at some things that people don't really talk about, and certainly you're not your doctor so much, but we're ready to experiment again with some of those and see if we can move the dial a little bit more. And those middle tier biohacks don't really need a doctor for that. Mm-hmm. I, let's say if you're going to do some cold therapy or ice bathing, you don't want to just jump in yourself, but you want to have at least somebody kind of knows what they're doing. Okay. Uh, then you have the top tier of the pyramid, which are sort of this advanced biohacks that you would need a doctor for, and that would maybe be stem cell injections or PRP, or you have platelet-rich plasma, or you have some gene therapy, or you know these usually cost a lot of money. Need a doctor for it, and you just they're at that top because you've tried everything else. (laughs) And, uh, And, and if you, a lot of people just want to cut to the chase and get to the middle and the top tier, just give me a supplement or just, you know, inject me with something and I don't have to worry about it. If you've heard of Ozempic, those weight loss peptides, you know, all that stuff is like, they're amazing actually what these hacks can do, but they don't work or they don't really work as well. If you don't have that foundation. Right. So I don't want people to think biohacking is just that top and middle tier. The foundation is all the good stuff that's free that uh, we know we should be doing,
0: but we're not really doing it. And then you would stack onto it. Does that make any sense? It makes a million percent uh, sense because everything should be built with a foundation. Um, Even if I'm talking to clients or someone I know, I always talk. They. A lot of people assume that you can take a pill, a supplement, or even a prescription and get better. But if you don't take care of the base, you're not going to ultimately get well. You're just going to keep hiding and masking that that symptom. So I love the way that you said that that triangle is built and we need to work on that foundation. And that foundation is everything for everyone so especially with menopause so let's talk a little bit about menopausal women if they have are having hot flashes or if they're anxious can you kind of help us more specifically build those tiers for those women
1: Yes. Answer the other question too, about how I got into menopause. Well, I'm 53 and I'm perimenopausal. Mm -hmm. I still have a cycle and it's still quite regular. So I'm not quite there yet, but I've been through all the work I was doing. I had so much feedback and from women who wanted to know more about hormones and know about menopause, because people were listening to my podcast around 40s and 50s and they were really suffering. And even though I wasn't feeling any symptoms yet, I just thought, okay, I got to learn that anyways, I'm going to be there. If I'm lucky, I'll go through it. And so I decided to get a lot more information and interview a lot more doctors and researchers and specialists in menopause. The typical thing you'll hear from a doctor will be, oh, it's just normal and you're supposed to have hot flashes and just... Try to get a fan, wear layers, lose some weight. Um, That's just, just these kind of things, but they're not really helping you. And some people would take bioidentical hormones, but a dog, and that can help a lot, but a doctor may say, we're not going to give it to you until you're actually in menopause. And menopause is just a one day event where it's 12 months of a consecutive, uh, without your period, 12 consecutive months. And that's it. And then your post-menopause. I use this word menopause interchangeably, meaning peri, which is the five years before menopause and then the post. But yeah, we always use the same word. But just so people understand that, which I'm sure if they've been listening to your podcast, they know (laughs) what that is. But it's terrible to be suffering because perimenopause, you can have so many symptoms and yet not given relief until you actually hit that menopause. Unfortunately, the what I've learned, and you, you can share your research too, is that about 7% of the doctors in the U.S. feel qualified and confident to guide a woman through menopause. And that's- It's nothing. So we really need a lot more awareness. We need a lot more training. Doctors need to start feeling comfortable with this because if 50% of the population are women, they're going to have a lot of patients to, to go through and they have a lot of opportunities to help. So When I merged biohacking with menopause, it brings in alternatives. You don't have to wait. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to just really go through this and try to grit your knuckles through it. And I'm so happy to share and also to debunk this myth that hormones are bad for you hormones are great for you hormones are thank god we have hormones it's we're suffering because we're losing our hormones we're losing our estrogen progesterone testosterone and and everything's going bonkers so hormones are life-saving imagine if you had a, a thyroid cancer and you have to take thyroid medicine well if you don't take your thyroid hormone medicine well you're going to die. So, so hormones are not a bad thing. It's just that there was this horrible study that was done, the women's health initiative. And then you talked about that and that just ruined it for, for decades. So now we're just starting to go back and starting to feel comfortable with it. But until then, man, we can do a lot and I don't want women to suffer. So a typical uh, thing, and also give them alternatives, a doctor, if you don't want to do hormone therapy, fine. Like there are the things there are doctors who may, prescribed, you're feeling kind of moody, anxious, depressed, They may give you an antidepressant. And you're like, maybe I don't want to take an antidepressant. Well, then we got other things too in the bag. So that I just wanted to clear the confusion. I know your your work is so vital to bring the information to women. and, And there's so much work yet still to be done because there's still fear. There's still horror. And we want to change this stereotype of menopause. And if you've watched some of my reels around menopause around the world, where I just interview women and I give them one minute to say, something about their menopause experience. You got all kinds of stuff. Women who are saying it's a challenge and it's been really difficult. Other women who are like, poof, you know, I don't know, uneventful. And so we need to share that there's a spectrum. Not all of us are gonna have a hundred symptoms all at once or very intensely. We have some who have mild and some who have nothing. So you asked a little bit about, if I remember,
0: if I know i have been off on a tangent. No, but no, I, no, I, that was important information to have. Oh, it's just on it. Yeah. So you asked, so what kind of a hack
1: can you do for hot flashes? Is that what you said? Or or weight gain?
0: Weight gain, hot flashes, uh, stress, anxiety.
1: Oh, there's a lot.
0: (laughs) So what we know across the board through the research is very
1: highly effective is hormone therapy or bioidentical. I know that you're very clear on this, the difference between synthetic and the bioidentical. So if you are interested in that, you really want a quick fix that's a really great hack. And it'll also protect you from osteoporosis, as well as that's sort of with the menopause societies around the world, they've all agreed, and they're very conservative, right? So they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, that even though there's a lot of research showing that it helps protect the brain, it helps protect the heart, and so many other things, there's not enough data or not enough research. So we still have to wait for that to happen. So hormone therapy, I think is a great hack. But let's say you, you don't want that, well, then there are adaptogens that you can try, or there's some supplements that you can try, say like maca or rhodiola or rosacea, or there's black cohosh, And even though the science isn't as strong, I've met people who swear by it. So again, N of one, you know, if it works for you, it's worth a try. Mm -hmm. And there's only a couple of things you need to know. For example, with maca, if you have a thyroid condition, like if you're hypothyroid or hyper, you don't want to play around too much with that because that can put you off if you're on thyroid medications. I highly or strongly recommend people to do their due diligence. Don't just go and buy whatever supplement at the market or the pharmacy, you got to read up on it. Are there any contraindications because adaptogens, which are plants, are really powerful. And medicine is made with plants too. I mean, it's not just synthetic stuff. So plants are powerful. Do your due diligence, know the contraindications, but they can really, really help. If you are having trouble sleeping because of the hot flashes, there's a chili pad. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I haven't. So it's a it's a little mattress, a very thin mattress you put on your side of the bed, unless, you know, the other person that you're sleeping with is having the hot flashes, but usually one's having hot flashes, the other one isn't. And you want the room cool. And that's another great thing. If your partner can tolerate the cold, great, put the room on cold. But if they can't, you put on this little pad and it cools your side of the bed and you can program it to have it certain times of the night. So you're not freezing, but right. it does keep you cool. And and that's a chili pad. They have a also, I think, um, a pillow as well, and it's a really cool hack to have in terms of managing the hot flashes. Yeah. So when it comes to, let's say, your joint pain is another thing. A lot of women do like to have collagen. They feel that's good. There's certain collagens that I would say are better than others that's one thing of the joints, other things, there are plenty, there's so many other supplements, but there are say uh, turmeric is another anti-inflammatory for joint pain. Again, some women find that hormone therapy helps them with their joint pain. There's also PRP, platelet rich plasma injections. Do you know what that is? Oh, talk to us a little bit about that. We've
0: not talked about that on the podcast.
1: Well, this is a, one of the hacks you need a doctor for, but it Works magic. I've had it before. I love it. And I'm getting another one in a couple of weeks. And it's just what keeps me going instead of surgery because I'm not ready to jump into surgery yet. So I want to try to extend that as long as I can. So what platelet-rich plasma injections, and there's also platelet-rich growth factors, which is kind of a, a next level up, and then there's stem cells, but we'll talk about prp first and that's the very st- simple one they so you go to a doctor's clinic nothing's fancy they extract blood from your arm just like they were going to do a blood test mm-hmm. and then they spin it in a centrifuge just like 15 minutes and they re-separate the, the plasma and the platelets or growth factors, depending on how what the process they're doing. And then they reinject inject it into the site, into your knee, your hip, your elbow, your shoulder, whatever, wherever it is that you're feeling that. And what that does, it triggers a response from the body to heal itself. So the body thinks, oh, I have an injury. You know, you use this big old fat needle. <laughs> they give you called anesthesia. So, I mean, just local anesthesia right. cream. Don't feel it. You you feel just kind of a pressure. You feel it there. It's a little bit of discomfort, but it's not painful. And then you go on your way. And it's literally, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, you're out of the clinic waiting for your body to start regenerating itself because the body thinks, oh, I got injured again. And it could be a chronic injury. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you just fell down and you know you don't want to rush to the doctor anyways to do this and because it is quite expensive you if you're still not recovering that's when you may want to try that after you've tried everything else if it's PRP, generally the moment that that you you get off the table, you've got range of motion, less pain, and it's usually because what the doctor sometimes does is, is mix it with hyaluronic acid or percumin. But there's a, a lot of liquid, so if you have a joint that's rubbing against each other, well, suddenly you have all this space, and eventually that space goes away. But what's right. happening is that your body is starting to regenerate. It's protecting the bone. It's it's rege- whatever injury that you have. It's starting to grow. Uh, healthy cells, and then over time, everybody's a little different. Some people feel it in a few weeks, some people feel it in several months right. to get whatever it is they want. But I'm a big fan of that, and I think that's that's something you have to go to a doctor for. And it it can be expensive here in Spain. It's quite cheap. So in the United yeah.
0: States, it is available for people. Yeah, in the states as it's well. A
1: pop- yeah, I think in the US, yeah, and in the US, you can find somebody who does it, and it's about a thousand dollars. And I was shocked here in Spain, it's between $200 and $500. Mm-hmm. So it's much more effective, or re, not effective, it's more reasonably p- priced, and, and it, but it's still expensive because you generally have to repeat this every year or two. It's oh. it's kind of a band-aid. Unless, for some people, it is a cure. It depends on the injury. It is one of those things I think people should definitely investigate if you tried everything else. Uh, I think I love it. So that's another really cool hack for, say, joints. Have you heard of peptides? I've heard of peptides. peptides. Explain that to, to the audience. So there's peptides and they're bioregulators. These are short chain amino acids, your body makes its own peptides. It's got amino acids, puts things together. It is used for so many things. You can make these in a laboratory and you can make them naturally from animal organs, or you can make them synthetic and the synthetic ones are safe, but they're more effective. The other ones, if you want to go sort of quote unquote more natural and just use the animal thyroid or something, then you would have, it's longer lasting, but takes a little bit longer to be effective. So a peptide is, it can run anything from a supplement called bioregulators, or it can be a sublingual spray under your tongue. It can be a cream, it can be an injection, it can be delivered many ways. But what that does, there's peptides for certain organ issues, or let's say you are in perimenopause and you kind of want to extend your period. You want to delay that menopause. Mm -hmm. So you can, use an ovarian bioregulator that help you keep producing estrogen and progesterone or, or whatever it is, you know, that you are, if you have a liver issue, right? You, you, you don't have a very a suboptimal liver. You can also take some peptides for that.
0: A lot of women, can um, provide it for liver though. So I'm, I'm, I'm jotting notes whenever you see my yes. head. The <laughs> I, sub, I, I there's a sublingual peptide.
1: There's a sublingual one that you spray in in the morning and another one in the afternoon. It's called Epitalon, E-P-I-T-A-L-O-N, and it helps with sleep. I've had really great experience with it, and a lot of people I know like it as well. And what that does, it works on the pineal gland. Your pineal gland is the one that is in charge of melatonin. Okay. So it helps you produce your own endogenous melatonin and uh, it's really cool. So that's like a peptide that'll help you sleep. So if you're waking up at night and you can't go back to bed and you're all frustrated and you just want to sleep through the night, that's one really cool hack Uh, among tons of supplements for sleep. My gosh. One of my favorite is spermidine. Have you heard of spermidine? I have not heard of that.
0: No. Ooh, yeah, this is the whole biohacking world. I and- know, and it's so interesting because <laughs> I want to hack my age. <laughs> yes.
1: So, so biohacking world is all about let's. It's like gerontology. Let's like you know live as uh, in a good condition as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the menopause, which is this period that we have to go through, and we're trying to hack that too, so that we can use so many of these biohacks to help us with menopause. Mm -hmm. And spermidine is usually it's a supplement form, but it actually is in food. And it's found a lot in the Japanese diet and older Japanese centenarians seem to have a lot of spermidine in their body and our body produces its own spermidine. So, but they're eating things like natto, which is a fermented soybean and we just don't get that in, in, in the US or in Europe. Right. And, and it's very specific to that country. It's all in, it's in mushrooms. It can be actually on the rind of cheese, but who eats cheese rind? And what it does, what's the big claim to fame with spermidine is that it activates autophagy. Autophagy meaning auto, meaning automatic fadgy eating. It automatically eats its own cells. It's a cell. Recycling, renewal, and recycling process. It's recycling our cells and renewing them so that they're healthy. Because as we age, our cells start to degrade. They're not as beautiful and robust and round and lovely and you know functioning so well. It kind of took a hit in the last fifty years or so, and they're starting to not work so well. And then they accumulate this junk inside. It's kind of like waste, cellular waste. And what tofuji does is it cleans this out and renews the cell. And there are 12 hallmarks of aging. And this is just where, what if you read a research paper that says, you know, why do people get sick and die? And part of it is telomere shortening, which are the caps on the ends of your chromosomes. And that gets, destroys the DNA. Some then there's another one, it's called cellular communication. The cells just can't communicate. So there's, there's 12 of these. And autophagy is one of those And in terms of it's not functioning anymore. And autophagy covers a lot. It protects the telomeres. It protects the DNA. It helps cells communicate. It does so many. It actually hits nine out of the 12 hallmarks of aging. And usually a supplement like curcumin or metformin is a drug for diabetes. Like they'll only hit one or two of these hallmarks of aging. So it's quite amazing to get spermidine in your life to create this autophagy. That being said, there are other things that activate autophagy. You don't have to spend your money on a hundred dollar supplement. You know, it's, you can activate it through exercise, right? That's activates autophagy. You can activate it through fasting. I'm not a big fan of women in fasting. I think there's a way to do it, but we can use it to activate autophagy. When you sleep, there's autophagy going on. So if you rob yourself of sleep then, or if you can't sleep, then you're not really getting into autophagy. And so there are women who cannot fast. They shouldn't if you're a hypothyroid or if you have some other issues, autoimmune diseases, like it's not generally practiced. So, and uh, and maybe they do some exercise, but they cannot do so much and they can't do all these other things. Well, then a supplement, you know, they can't get the natto. <laughs> a supplement is, is a good alternative too. So that's why why we take it. But I started taking spermidine about three years ago. I, th- I thought it was interesting. And I thought, oh, this is, I love the idea. So I started to tell my family about it. And then I told some friends And everybody felt really good on it or not? They didn't feel anything at all, to be honest. It's just knowing that it's actually something good. But the feedback I would get was that they get better sleep. And that's why I'm talking about spermidine for sleep. And then I started to share it on Instagram or my social media. And one I was like, here's, this is interesting. I love the idea behind it. I trust it. I investigated the company and then I got, kept getting feedback and I have never shared anything like this in my life where I got so much feedback, all positive. And it's the worst that happened is oh, I don't feel anything, but I believe in it, so I'll take it. Or right, okay, right. you go off of it, you go on it. The biggest feedback I get is better sleep and better skin, hair, and nails. Another I'm curious, down I down would down. say about twenty percent, not Please a lot. Stop now I'm there. I know <laughs> it's it crazy. crazy <laughs> 20% of the people who give me feedback reverse their gray hair. And I'm like, "Wow. I'm just amazed." So I I when I share it, I'm like, "Okay, you know, people ask how to reverse gray hair. There's a lot of other things you can do to reverse your gray hair. That's also part of biohacking. You know, there's a lot of other great reasons to take spermidine. But yeah, I always tell them it may or may not reverse your hair, I don't know, but it's worth a try. But I do get some feedback on that. And that's because it's cleaning up these cells, it's renewing them, it's reviving them, it's putting you into a youthful state. Now, that being said, not all spermidines are created equal. And I just did a really interesting podcast about all the hacks that companies do to cut corners and make it cheap. And I really think if you're going to take spermidine, don't go cheap. Really is it's worth investing in a, in a good quality one. And, and many supplements are kind of like that, but there are many supplements you don't need to spend a lot of money on either. It's just because they're quite standard and, and all good. Uh so yeah, I think that's my my little hack for sleep. I've got well progesterone. <laughs> that's that's a hormone that helps with sleep and that's why a lot of women take it at night because it it's the calming, relaxing hormone. It makes you feel a little a little tired and that's when you you know another little hack um and it depends on what your thing is. Oh, blue blocking glasses. I have these, of course, you know, most yeah. of the off is the low hanging fruit. I like these because you have like three different levels <laughs> of glasses. <laughs> I, I have blue blocking glasses for those people who are not <laughs> or just, it'll,
0: it'll be on YouTube pretty soon. So. <laughs> okay.
1: so when you are trying to get a sleep hygiene routine and you have to be on your computer or you have to be on your phone, you just you know, got to get whatever. That's when you want to put on blue blocking glasses. Because this will help you protect your eyeballs from all the blue light. That's going to give you a lot of energy and a lot of, make you feel awake. Mm -hmm. So blue light is good. We want to have it in the morning. And the best way to get blue light is just to go outdoors have your eyeballs, see the sunlight for at least 15 minutes, go for a walk and then come back in. And then your brain knows, oh, I'm going to set melatonin to happen about 12 hours after. So you don't want to go outside for the first time at noon. You want to go before noon because otherwise it's going to be up till midnight. And then unless you Can sleep in or something but this is another little hack for glass for sleep and and that's another favorite of mine another thing actually is this one as well i have a red light therapy device i've been hearing about that but
0: i didn't didn't know if i should trust that or not
1: (laughs) yeah i know there's a lot of garbage on the market it's like a supplement you have to be careful but this one i have a couple of them but this one i have now is called a flex beam and that one is so red light therapy is used for uh, many things. Uh You can also have red light saunas. Uh, You can have a device for like joint pain. So I use it for joints and joint pain, but I also, it's part of my sleep stack. So part of my sleep hygiene routine, like an hour before I go to bed, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, and then put this red light therapy device, say on my hips and or my back or wherever. And then I sit there. You can strap this on and move on with your day, but I'm like, no, I'm going to just stay here. I'll listen to something called newcom, which I really like. It's a binaural, it's not binaural beats. It's um neuroacoustic software to get your brain into a meditation. State So that makes me feel really sleepy and it makes meditation easy. I mean, I could listen to a guided meditation, which sometimes I do, or right. I could just do this and it just does it for me. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. It literally like brings your brain. Like if your mind starts to wander, it brings it back. It's the craziest thing. So I will listen to that or maybe listen to an audio book or music, whatever. Have this thing laying on me. I've taken my progesterone. I've taken all my sleep supplements and, and I sit there for 10 or 20 minutes. And then it makes me sleepy because it's got this very gentle heat on it. So you feel like all warm and cozy. And that's just part of my sleep stack. Other people use it for gut health. You, know, you can put lay it on your belly. If you have gut issues, it, what it's doing is reducing inflammation and it's bringing blood circulation. And that's it's why you can
0: calm, calm,
1: no, uh, the the red light therapy is oh, called the flex, therapy. yes, okay. called Flex Beam. Okay. Newcom that um, neuroacoustic software for the meditation is called Newcom N U C A L M and and I have discount codes for all of these things. I've done podcasts with them uh-huh. <laughs> and so. They give, they give me code. So if you want code, just let me know. All right. um, if not, you can always Google like discount, code. you'll something will pop up, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these things, anything you buy online. I, I always do look for discount codes. That's and right. sometimes I do podcast, whatever <laughs> <a> discount <laughs> code pops up. So yeah, th- there's so much for sleep, but those are just some of the little biohacking things that, that maybe
0: you haven't heard of that that I thought I'd, I'd um, share with you. I had not, these are awesome. Like jotting all these down, but so I haven't one, other one that I want to ask you about memory, because I don't know what's happening to me in the past 30 days. I'll be mid sentence. And I'm like, wait, what was I just saying? So I can figure that out. So bio biohack my memory. Okay. So yes, the first thing I would say is sleep because
1: sometimes people think, oh, it's my hormones. I'm like, well, maybe your hormones are being affected because you're not sleeping. So mm-hmm. why aren't you sleeping is also another thing. Are you stressed? Are you worried about something? Maybe you should journal before you go to bed or create a sleep hygiene. Are you waking up because of hot flashes? Well, then let's take care of the hot flashes. Because anyone, no matter what age you are, if you don't get good sleep, of course you got brain fog. <laughs> you know, right. like function as well. Uh, but yeah, there, this is a symptom as, as well of menopause, the depletion of estrogen and progesterone. So you can top up and with bioidentical hormones, and that will help clear the brain fog. There's also supplements, which are amazing because certain supplements can cross the blood brain barrier which is this layer uh between your brain and your skull and it's there to protect you so pathogens and viruses and things like don't get in sometimes they do covid obviously acted on the brain could get through but most supplements don't yeah and that's why we don't have a sense of smell anymore because it's affected the brain right covid talking about that so there is this this brain connection but the blood brain barrier the supplements that do get through there's three of them i did a great podcast in earth view with dr Sandra Kaufman, who is specialist on supplements, she doesn't sell them. It's her hobby. She works as a pediatric hospital in Florida somewhere, and she's oh. like, just is like her hobby. So she wrote this book all about supplements, and I had her on the podcast, and she said there were three supplements that she says absolutely need to have for your brain is one is spermidine because that crosses the blood brain barrier, L three and eight. So it's you'll see, see this usually magnesium supplements, and mm-hmm. so it's L. And then 308, nate t h r e o um, n a t e. Sometimes I remember it by oh, it's like the number three and eight because <laughs> uh, it's L-3-N-A-N and there's l you know there's so many other things you can get f- confused. If you can remember that yeah, by right. the number three and the number eight, l three nate. And then the third one is called andrographolide. And that one is a little bit harder to find. She says you can find it easily. I think in the U S it's much easier or North America, Um, Europe, not so much, but andrographylite are, those are her favorite things for the brain in terms of supplements, you know, it's kind of hacks. But anything to do with having your gut optimized, you're right, the gut brain axis. We know that there's a lot of things that happening in our minds can affect our gut. And a lot of things that are in our gut are affecting our mind and our brain. So talk to a gut specialist. And there's so many out there who can help you clear that and then may clear any kind of brain fog. So there's there's just, again, so many, I would definitely say lower stress or manage stress. Stress is good. I hate to demonize stress and I hate to demonize cortisol, which is that stress hormone. We- want cortisol in the morning and we want it to be high, right? That helps us stay alert and awake. And then we want it to taper off towards the evening. And the same thing for stress. If we didn't have any stress in our lives, we'd just be like jello, like not getting anything done. (laughs) We need a little bit to optimize and to work well and all that. So, and we also have this thing called hormesis. Do you know
0: what hormesis is? not heard of that either i'm learning today i love this i love when i interview someone and i'm like check 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 all this stuff i learned today (laughs) yeah and then
1: you know how to apply it because you know a lot about menopause yes and then how to apply it to menopause so hormesis is a stress on the body that in large doses would kill you but in small doses is very beneficial Mm -hmm. exercise is one of them right exercise is a stress on the body. And I've even interviewed some people or they, doctors who said exercise is bad. You know, they just want to you know, have a little clickbait or something. Uh-uh. Why? Why? No, exercise is bad. Recovery is good. And what people think is, oh, exercise is good. So the more, the better, but if you keep doing it, you're going to injure yourself. And, and that's not good. Same thing for fasting. Fasting is a stress on the body. So, it's good to fast, but if you didn't stop though, well, then you die. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and that's why when with women, for example, if you're still cycling, you never want to fast at the last week before your period, because you're, body is preparing the endometrial lining. It's trying, ready to have a baby. (laughs) Even if you're not going to have a baby, it's just preparing. So it's a lot of stress in the body that last week before your period. So you don't want to add more stress with intense exercise and and fasting and all this stuff. You want to stay a little bit more chill and be kind to your body during that period. But so Hermesis is that small stressor that's really good for you. And that's when, that's why I say stress is a good thing. If we didn't have that stress, we wouldn't grow and we wouldn't thrive we wouldn't be optimizing our health we would just be kind of plodding along so that's why exercise a little bit and then recover you can fast a little bit and then you eat <laughs> you eat right. well and what you eat so if you've heard of dr walter longo have yeah. you heard of him he created fasting mimicking diet he's a very famous researcher he was one of my professors of gerontology at usc and he says that so he's a huge fan of fasting but he says it's not the fast that does the magic it's the refeeding that does the magic what you put in your body after you're fasting is the key because fasting is a stress all the the cells are stressed out and freaking out and trying to clean up and get rid of the bad ones and let's reinforce the good ones and make them stronger and those cells still need to eat food right, right so right. so it is important that you really know how to refeed don't just eat anything so that's hormesis and that's why I was saying a little stress in the body is good but too much. It's like that bell curve, right? Too much. And then we're going off on the other side. And unfortunately in the society we live in, there's too much stress. And I'm not talking just about being stuck in a traffic jam and you're on, you feel that stress. There's stressors coming from toxins in the environment, from the pollution, from the air that we breathe, from the lotion and potions and things that we put on our body. And women put, I don't know what it was, some like 50 things on our body, chemicals on our body before we leave the home or it's insane. So we want want to make sure even though we have a liver and it's really good at detoxing you don't want to overload it with a lot of stress so i'm talking about that physical stress as well not just that that mental stress so that means you know we want to reduce inflammation reduce oxidation, because those are the two things that bring us disease. Oxidation is when your cells become oxidized. And that happens with just living, right? The cell to cell communication that happens when cells convert food into ATP, which is that energy that our cells make. It's creating this reactive oxygen species, which is this, this oxidation and stress on the body. And then that's why we take antioxidants and whether it's eating a kiwi or taking your vitamin C supplement or whatever antioxidant, then it helps neutralize that. But if we don't do these things, then they build up in the body and it's become your bucket. Imagine a bucket that just becomes overloaded and, and that's not good. And that puts us in, sets us up for diseases. So that's why we want to make sure we manage the stress. Stress isn't going to go away. Sometimes just thinking about the stress. Oh my God, Zora said stress is bad. Oh, that even stresses them even more. Yeah. <laughs> You stressed me out. <laughs> yes, but you can't, you know, and it's true. You don't want to go like, don't panic, you know, we're right. really good, but, but at the same time, don't just put your head in the sand either and go whatever happens, happens. I don't think that's a good approach. I mean, some people that's what works for them. That's as long as they're happy. I don't care. It's not, it's not my life. So right, right. I'm here to optimize. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so that those are things that we can manage for stress. Um, okay. Try to think also blood glucose as we enter menopause menopause, right? We become more insulin resistant. So that means we can't eat our sandwiches or blueberry muffins and uh, like we used to, or even as much fruit as we used to like to. Fruit's good, but for some reason we're holding on to body fat. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons why, but insulin resistance is one of them. So it just happens with
0: menopause. So we can hack it Have you done a continuous blood glucose monitor experiment yet? I have not done that. No, I had someone on the podcast who talked about doing that. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not.
1: Oh, it's so cool. And you just do it once. You don't need to do it all the time unless you're diabetic and you have to wear these things, but it's a little size of a big quarter, let's say, or a silver dollar has a teeny tiny, very thin needle. You pop it on your arm by yourself. It's painless. It's like, it's almost like a rubber band flicking you. You're like, Oh, I felt, but no, now it's not painful. It just kind of, you feel it. And then you wear it and you don't feel anything for two weeks. It's got a a life of two weeks, and then it's connected to your phone and it gives you data about the blood sugar levels in your body. And you can experiment with different foods. You can try whatever it is that you're eating. I always tell my clients just eat whatever you normally eat and let's see what happens. Because, you know, some people are like, I want to be good while Zora's watching. You're like, no, yeah. that's not you know because <laughs> a lot of people find out what they think is bad is actually good for them and what they think is good can be bad for them because everybody's different everybody is bio individual that's why the that n of 1 experiment is so important so when you wear this you may eat uh, i don't know oatmeal and with fruit in the morning and most people I've worked with it it spikes their blood sugar like crazy. And then it takes a while to come down. There's nothing wrong with a blood sugar spike. Um, Some people demonize that too. It just, as long as it's coming down within two hours, great. You know, that shows woof your body's working perfectly. It's pushing out insulin to bring that down, but you don't want to do that like all the time and frequently during the day. You know, if you're snacking a lot, you'll see blood sugar up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Your body gets kind of tired of doing that. And so that's why... I, some people become insulin resistant just because of their bad diet, and they and their body just, just gives up. Like I get tired of putting up the fire all the time. So, so when you wear this monitor, it gives you a lot of data. But it's interesting when I started first working with clients with that, just teaching them how to work it. They would send me their data, and I would see it like I don't know eleven o'clock at night, like a huge spike or one in the morning. And I'm like, what, what happened here? Like, what did you eat? And they're like, no, I I swear I didn't eat anything after eight o'clock, like done. right?" And I said, there was something that happened. Like there was, Oh, I had a, I had a conference call, you know, with my boss in the States and, and I was really angry. And so what happened was the blood sugar went up and down. So you see, it's not just food that's influencing your, insulin, you know, resistance, if that's what it is, it's stress. And it's fascinating. My clients are always fascinated. Like, wow, I had no idea. When you see the data, you're like, it's convincing. And then you may notice how exercise as well, your blood sugar goes up and you're like, I swear I didn't eat anything. That's fine. That goes up. But then what you may find is that oatmeal with berries is not spiking it so much because you did a little bit of exercise. Some people it's better if they exercise after some people before some people, and then we hack their oatmeal by putting in, a little bit of coconut milk in there, a little bit of cinnamon, and that regulates blood sugar. So you, can, you may have still a rise in your blood sugar, but it's not so high. It controls the blood sugar. So those are some of the little hacks that we can do so you can keep eating the foods that you really love and you just won't give up in your life. And that's what a CGM or continuous glucose monitor will give to you. It gives you information just on you and yourself. That's why I kind of
0: love that little experiment. What I like about that is it's custom because you cannot tell everyone to eat oatmeal, eat an avocado, don't eat meat. Like everyone is unique, so I love that you you provide that for your clients because then they start to understand what their body actually needs versus um, yeah. just that that cookie cutter menu that they may find on WebMD or or find. Yeah, on, yeah. exactly.
1: I would recommend they do it with somebody, their partner or a friend. Because when I did it through the first time, I did it with my husband, and then yeah, we would go out and we'd have sushi, and my husband's blood sugar went up and down and crashed, and mine was just pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And then when we ate something it was like a sandwich or I don't know something with bread, right. mine like went through the roof, and my husband was pretty stable. And I was like, hey, my <laughs> husband <laughs> used to ask me, yeah, you would be like, is this good or is this bad? And I'm like, nothing's good and nothing's bad. It just is food, whatever. But now he's like, okay, it's, for me, it's not so good, but for you, you know, it's okay. So it's, you can get rid of those generalizations. And and that's why, you know, again, these little devices we love to wear. It's this little, little experiment.
0: I know. I love this. I have so many great notes. uh, Zora, before we wrap, tell everyone what you are reading or listening to. Okay. Well, of course I'm listening to your podcast.
1: uh, Hello, hot flash. (laughs) That goes without saying. I always read, I'm not sure if you do this before I have um, a guest on the podcast. There sometimes they have books and they I said, look, send them to me. If I if I can read them or at least scan through them, I will. And so the last one was I just interviewed Julia Lynn, who's 66 years old. She had um As a gerontologist, oh my gosh, she had so many adverse childhood experiences, set her up for a lot of diseases and a lot of problems, which she did have. She revamped her health and now she's a bodybuilder and like incredible figure and just amazing. So healthy. And so she's an inspiration. I totally connect you with her. And should we talk about menopause? And so she wrote this book, gosh, I can't even remember the name. It was like your power decade. That's what it was. The Power Decade by Julia Lynn. And it is her life story. But what she does is that she shares a bit of her life and the challenges she faced. And then she has this part called Reflections, where she's reflecting on what happened and then what she learned from it. And then she gives you little hacks and little questions to ask yourself to help you overcome the challenges that you may have had in life. And uh yeah, so that's something I just literally just read. I would recommend books. Um I I've still not even finished, but I, one of the very my favorite books is called Estrogen Matters by Avram Bloom. A woman it's not it's like his business partner. They wrote this book together. It's I like it. it is quite objective in terms of talking about hormones and I always recommend it. I think it's really great. And also Dr. Felice Gersh, she wrote a book called The Menopause, 50 Things You Need to Know. And I, I kind of go back and f- I always refer to that because I think she's got great. It's written so simply and easily. I like that one. And the podcasts I listened to, just listened to JJ Virgin. I mean, I've been listening to JJ Virgin forever, but she came on as a guest. So I was catch up just like with yours, I just catch up on, on some of the episodes. She now recently calls her podcast Well Beyond 40. Cause okay. she's 60. So I liked following her cause she's ahead of me and I'm like, okay, I know you can learn something from her and talks a lot about fitness, nutrition, but now she's been doing this for, I don't know, almost 10 years, her podcast been going on. So she's gone through a lot of topics yeah. and she's yeah. now more into the longevity and aging thing because before it was more fitness and nutrition and she's a good one. And two, my favorite, my biohacking besties who are in menopause and share a lot of great tips are Sandy K Nutrition. Uh, She's Sandy Cruz and Natalie Nidham, and she has the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. So I think those are some, some really good, if you're interested in biohacking, and then of course, these women don't only talk about menopause, but they are, they do talk about it because of themselves and and it's just part of their, their group. So I think those are great things to listen to. So that's, that's the, the, what I'm listening to and what I'm reading now.
0: Yeah. Simply amazing. I have learned so much, so many things I'm thinking I need to implement X, Y, and Z. So I really, I appreciate you being on the call. I, every once in a while I'll be like, mm, this is just self-therapy. It's not really a podcast. <laughs> therapy, free information. (laughs) Yes, But what you've shared is so incredible, so valuable. And as women, we need this type of information so we can live longer and take care of our families, take care of ourselves. We have work to do. We're just because we're in our fifties does not mean we're, we're to stop. We have work to do. So you were very instrumental in helping us do that work and be healthy while we're doing it. So I really appreciate you. Can you tell the audience how we can find you Zora?
1: Then you can go to hackmyage.com and my social media, everything is Hack My Age. And if you really get lost, you can't remember that, just Zora the Explorer. It's like Dora the Explorer, but just Zora the Explorer, you'll find me. And on the website, I have the like all the podcasts as well as menopause programs and uh, resources. And you can always get in touch with me. I'm very accessible through social media, or you can book consultation with me just to get to know you and and see if I can help you. Just lots of information there.
0: Yeah. You have a couple of live events coming up as well. And those will those be on your website? Oh, yes, the Women's Biohacking Conference. Mm -hmm. It's free. I have to put it on my
1: website. This may be recording only in December, but they do it every year. But that I was speaking at that. So I said I would talk about it because it's free. There'll probably be another one coming up. So, in terms of lives, so in, in, if this is in December, you're listening to it, then probably end of January, beginning of February, I'll have a one of my live programs go because the programs for menopause I give are, are mostly self-guided, but then there's others that that it's a four-week program and I'm there to to talk to everybody through it. We meet every week and everybody meets as a group and, and that's really fun too because there's a community. And there's a great community on Facebook called Biohacking Menopause. And that's where a lot of women meet to ask questions about menopause, to share their biohacks. Sometimes people says, hey, what's your favorite hack for sleep? And then like, like all this stuff comes out and stuff you've never heard of. And there's some experts in there who do have great advice. And then there's people who just, you know, looking for some information and it's, it's everything. So uh, it's a really beautiful community. And I encourage you to find that on, on Facebook. And then we meet once a week live on Wednesdays. We have Wednesday weekly meetups. And I always post in that group when we're meeting up. And so it would be lovely to, to meet everybody in person. And we do breathwork classes in once a month, uh, just to you know, just a very quick thirty minutes to teach people, give them techniques, and there's no charge for this. This is just
0: a community of, right. of like-minded women. So I hope you guys can join us there. That's awesome. I will make sure I put everything in the show notes. Thank you once again, Zora, for being a guest today. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have you on my podcast too. I can't wait for
0: that as well. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Hello Hot Flash, where we help you control the midlife change. Again, make sure you check out the show notes where we will include links to all of the subjects we covered today. And if you want to discover how to manage your hormones so you can sleep better, have more energy and have less stress, take the quiz on hellohotflash.com. It only takes 90 seconds. Everyone, here's to your health. Hey, you want to enter for a chance to win prizes valued at $500? Our generous guests are gifting holistic skincare products, science-backed supplements, a nightgown designed to help decrease night sweats. Say what? And a jetty pack designed to help you get stronger with every step. Head over to hellohotflash.com giveaway for all the details.